0: Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Blessings to one another. Greet one another in the chat. And please, do think about subscribing to the ministry channel. It does make all the difference. We are backing it up over there, like I say, every week now in Odyssey. So you can always go over to Odyssey and see everything that is um Think they've actually got all of our videos up there, which is great. So, and it automatically pushes everything over to Odyssey. We are in Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew Gospel. We are in Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter 38 today. Of course, in the Roman calendar world, it is coming up on 2024, the new year. And um, so, What better week to address the calendar? But we're not going to spend too much time in there because so many of us have spent many months, some of us years, studying the calendar and we don't need to beleaguer that too much today. But again, here in the 38th chapter of the book of Isaiah, we do see Hezekiah and the sundial is in the text. So I'm not going to skip over it, but I won't beleaguer it too long. Jump with me into Isaiah chapter 38. And in those days, Hezekiah was sick and he was near death. And Yeshayahu the Navi, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, This says Yahuwah, set your ba'it in order, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and he made tefillah, prayers, unto Yahuwah. And he said, remember now, O Yahuwah, I beg you how I have had my halacha, my walk before you in emet, in truth, and in a perfect lev with a whole heart, and have done that which is tov, good, in your sight. And Hezekiah, he wept, Heavily, Verse four, then came the word of Yahuwah to Yeshiyahu, saying, go tell Hezekiah this says Yahuwah, the Elohim of Dawid your Abba. I have heard your tefillah. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. See, I will add to your days 15 years. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the Melech, the king of Ashur, Assyria. And I will defend this city. And this shall be an note, a sign to you from Yahuwah, that Yahweh will do this thing that he has spoken. So now, Yahuwah is going to give Hezekiah the sign that he's going to add 15 years to his life. And here's the sign verse 8. See, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down on the sundial of Echaz 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by the same degrees that it had gone down. This then is the writing of Hezekiah, Melek of Yehuda, when he had been sick and later recovered from his sickness. As you can see, I'm here at the Oregon coast for the weekend, and like I said, we are in Hezekiah's, of course, sundial chapter, Isaiah chapter 38. As the Roman calendar switches over to 2024, what better time to address the true calendar, the biblical calendar, But I'm not going to beleaguer it too long because it's a whole wormhole which many of us, many of us have traveled down for years. But we do need to address this. So I'll try and do it succinctly. John chapter 11, verse 9. Yahusha answered and he said thus, Are there not 12 hours in a day? Hmm. And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Okay, so I'm going to try and do this succinctly and not beleaguer the point because we could spend years going on about the calendar. There's 12 hours in a day. So if we've got 360 degrees in a circle on a sundial, and we divide the 360 degrees by the 12 hours of sunlight, that's 30 degrees per hour. 360 360 divided by 30 equals 12, right? You've got a 360 degree circle on a sundial divided by the 12 hours of sunlight, which is average in a day, equals 30 degrees per hour. We got that so far. So now, A third of an hour, 60 minutes, obviously, is 20 minutes. So a third of 30 degrees, obviously, is 10 degrees. So, therefore, tracking with me, you know, I'm no math genius, as those of you that know me really do know, but I can do this math. 10 degrees would therefore equal 20 minutes. So when the shadow moved backwards 10 degrees, this would have added an extra 20 minutes per day. 20 minutes a day times 360 days equals 7,200 extra minutes a year. All right, so far, we're good. 7,200 minutes per year divided by 60 minutes in an hour equals 120 hours per year. 120 hours per year divided by 24 hours in a day. You get your extra five days per year today. On our Roman calendar and all of these pagan calendars, we're 365.24 something or other days in a year, which causes all the mayhem and confusion about the calendar. Well, there you have it. So we know from the days of Noah that we were on a 360-day year calendar. And we know from the book of Revelation in the prophecies that we will be one day returning to a 360 day in a year calendar. How did the extra five and odd days get added? By, of course, the sundial right here. I've just given you Matthew's crazy math, and that's my teaching on the calendar in under three minutes. I hope you like it. Now we can move on (laughs) into the main body of the text, which I really enjoyed. Look at verse 10. Before I jump into verse 10, I'm going to jump back over to the chat and see if I've lost some of you or if you're upset at me because I didn't do enough calendar calculations. How are we doing so far? All right, I have to put my glasses on so I can read the chat here. We okay? All right. Diesel, Grandma, um, Grandpa, Grandma loves it. Good, good. Carlos, you've lost me. Of course I've lost you. Matthew's Math loses most people, including myself. All right, Mary Trotter, Shabbat Shalom. She says I'm doing great, so hey, that's good. All right, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Let's see what else we've got here. Shabbat Shalom, Brother Darryl Palmer! Blessings! So good to have you still with me after all these years. Back in the day, if you look at some of our earlier videos when the camera was shaking and everything, that when, that's when Brother Daryl was uh, um, running our technology. And you see, we haven't advanced that much since those days. I'm here on a webcam at the coast, but uh, what a beautiful day. Look at it behind me. Isn't that gorgeous? Gorgeous stormy weather, but we got a bit of a clearing. right here for the broadcast. All right, let's jump back into the text. We're in chapter 38, and we come to Hezekiah's hymn. And it's a hymn or a lament, and it's really a spiritual reflection on mortality. (gasps) He's going to die. He's going to die. And I said in the cutting off of my days... I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, Yah, in the land of the living. I shall see man no more with the inhabitants of the Olam, this world. My Chaim, my life is departed and it is taken from me as a shepherd's tent. My chayim, my life was shrunk like a weaver's web. He shall cut me off with sickness. From one day to the next night, you make an end of me. I soothed myself until the morning, but as a lion, so will he break all my bones. And from one day to the next night, will you make an end of me? And like a swallow, So did I chatter. I did mourn as Jonah. And my eyes became weary with looking upward. Oh, Yahuwah, I am oppressed. Take hold of this for me. So this is quite a stirring hymn. What we're seeing is Hezekiah is struggling. He's struggling between mortality and his unwavering commitment to serving Yahuwah. He's dedicated his whole life to Yahuwah. His life in this plane is all about dedication to Yahuwah, and even that is going to be taken from him. And it seems the one whom he's dedicated his life to is the very one that is going to take his lives. So Hezekiah is in the depths here of introspection. And we can see... That there's a tapestry that's being woven. And it's a tapestry of metaphors that weave through his struggle with the brevity or the shortness of his life. He's engaged in a deep dialogue here with Yahuwah. A deep dialogue. It's the sting of death. And Hezekiah's hymn begins with this acknowledgement of the bitter reality that we're mortal that we're only here for a time. And this metaphorical sting of death is Hezekiah grappling. He's wrestling with the inevitable separation from the earthly realm, the very realm in which he's dedicated his life to serving Yahuwah. And you can really see this. So this sting is a piercing awareness of life's transient nature. It's temporal, like a grass that just sprouts up and is here for a time and is blown away by the wind. And this is the introduction to a period of anguish in Hezekiah's life. So Hezekiah's imagery of a swift moving weaver's shuttle What does it do? It's conveying to me, and most probably to you, the fleeting nature of this life. And this is what we, as the only creatures in Yahweh's creation, are aware of. We're the only ones, really, that can perceive this fleeting nature of our life. And it emphasizes the brevity and transience of of very life, does it not? Hezekiah, he perceives the hand of Yahweh, but he also perceives that this very hand of Yahweh is weaving the fabric of existence. And each pass of the shuttle on the weaver's loom is a reminder of life's beauty. And this is the metaphor that we're seeing in the text. And then we come across this lion breaking all of his bones. Well, what's that about? Well, the metaphor of a lion breaking all his bones, it reflects the intensity of Hezekiah's inner turmoil. It shows that he is being very vulnerable in the face of mortality. As the mighty, even the kings of the earth, or in this case, the king of Judah, are brought low by the inevitability of death it equals the playing field does it not no matter what you are kings of the earth those in the gutter death is the great equalizer and this is of course why the globalists are trying to you know go to outer space and do all of these things with these life preserving technologies because they don't they don't have a knowledge of the Creator. They don't have the peace that surpasses all understanding, and they're very aware of their mortality and the great equalizer that faces them. But we have the hope of the blessed resurrection, and that is what changes the game. So Hezekiah, here, a great king, the greatest king of the kings of Judah, a formidable leader, he's now contemplating his own fragility. He's now contemplating the fragility of his own mortality. He's experiencing a great moment of humility. And when you'll come face to face with your mortality, it brings, or should at least bring, great humility. So what makes Hezekiah's hymn truly remarkable is his willingness to engage in a vulnerable dialogue with Yahweh, And that's what true prayer and true worship is about. Being willing to engage in a vulnerable dialogue with your creator. And this expresses, in Hezekiah's case, that he's got this profound vexation really with the brevity of life, just how short it is, and it's just going to go and pass just like that. He actually is seeing Yahuwah as an SATAN. Yes, that's what I said. He's actually seeing Yahuwah as SATAN in this moment. He sees that Yahuwah is like an adversary to him, an enemy who's cut short the thread of his days upon the loom. This isn't an accusation, but it's a raw and honest expression of the pain that stems from the realization that his earthly journey may be concluding very soon. It's pretty deep. So, as we go through the text, you're going to be able to see that Hezekiah is in anguish. He's grappling with this impending doom and he's seeming this contradiction between a life that has been devoted to divine service and then the harsh reality of his mortality and this is a contradiction in terms to him his lament is not a rebellion against Yahuwah but it's a deep spiritual wrestling it's a soul that is being laid bare before its creator and that's what Yahuwah asks of us he doesn't ask of us to agree with everything. He doesn't ask of us to be in holy thralls of praise all the time. He just asks of us to have a relationship and to lay our souls bare with him and be honest with him. And this vulnerability is what brings us to a higher revelation in our walk with Yahweh. This vulnerability is a testament to Hezekiah's profound faith. And when we're vulnerable to the Ruach HaKodesh and to Yahuwah, it's a testament to your profound faith. So be vulnerable, be true, and be real. When we have an intimate relationship with Yahuwah, it's then, when then, that we can express such raw emotion in open honesty. And I think that is special, and I think that is powerful. Even through it all, Hezekiah's hymn reveals his unwavering determination to remain faithful. No matter what. No matter what, I will remain faithful. If I fall on my face in the miry clay, I shall get back up and remain faithful to my Creator. If I go straight to the left or straight to the right, I shall come back to the narrow path and remain faithful to my Creator. And I shall pray and make prayer in earnest openness and truthfulness. That's what he asks. He acknowledges That sometimes in life there is bitterness. And he is now experiencing a bitter cup which he must drink. But guess what? He surrenders himself to it. And he surrenders himself to the will of Yahuwah. Is that not what Yahusha did in the very garden? He surrendered himself to the bitter cup that he must drink. And it was all about mortality. And facing and accepting this brevity of life in which we exist. And this isn't some kind of resignation to the fate of death, but it's a conscious choice to abandon himself completely to the divine purpose, painful as it might be. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to completely abandon yourself to the divine purpose that Yahweh has in your life, even if it at times may be painful? That's a question in which we all must struggle. And in his act, this very act of acceptance, Hezekiah is able to transcend the limitations of earthly understanding. His hymn becomes a spiritual voyage for us all. It's an expression of trust. It's an expression of trust in Yahweh's sovereign plan. Even when the plan involves piercing the veil, piercing the reality of mortality. Hezekiah's faith in this text, it shines on brightly as he faces the prospect of departure from the life that he has so dedicated to divine service. One of the greatest kings, the greatest kings of Judah, a life of divine service. Hezekiah's hymn is a hymn of spiritual introspection into the depths of a soul wrestling with mortality, that's what he's wrestling with. That's what we all must wrestle with and come to peace with. It makes me contemplate the brevity of my own life. It's urging me to surrender, to come to a place of acceptance to the divine will in my life. The same kind of unwavering acceptance that Hezekiah came to. Surrender, faith that was displayed by this very king. The kind of surrender and faith that we need to display as Malkitzedic priests, a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. Aren't we all on our own spiritual journey? And as we are on that journey together, shouldn't we see that this text should resonate deeply within us? It's a timeless truth resounding throughout the text that in the face of mortality, a profound and unwavering trust in Yahweh's plan, becomes our comforter. And our peace and security in the divine plan is to be honest and open to Yahweh's plan in our lives, even if it's painful. Look at verse 15. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me and himself, he has done it. I shall go humbly all my years in the bitterness of my being. O Yahuwah, by these things men live, and in all these things is the chayim of my ruach, the life of my spirit. So restore me and make me live. See, for shalom, I had great bitterness, but you have in your ahava love for my being delivered it from the very pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. Look at that. In open prayer, in open dialogue, in open vulnerability and a prayer of repentance, Yahweh will cast your sins behind his back. Look at verse 18. For Sheol cannot chalel, for Sheol cannot praise you, death cannot celebrate you they that go down into the pit they have no hope for your truth we come to the pit of corruption sheol which is juxtaposed with the resounding praises offered only in the land of the living because the dead know no one but the praises are offered here now now is our opportunity to praise the most high In the land of the living in which you and I are, no matter what kind of pain, no matter what kind of turmoil you're facing, right now you are in the land of the living. Praise the Most High. Look at the intricacies now of the poultice that is going to be applied and the supernatural frequency changes that it induces. Prayer does that. Worship does that. Study and the reading of his word changes the frequencies in our mind, in our soul and in our body. And when we align our frequency with his frequency by the Ruach HaKodesh, we can bring about healing and there is the blessed hope. Look at verse 19. The living, yes, the living, not the dead, but the living shall halel you. They shall praise you, even as I do this day. The Abba to their children shall make known your Emet, your truth. Yahweh came to save me. Therefore, we will share my shireen. We shall sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our Chaim, life in the bait of Yahweh, in the house of Yahweh. For Yeshayahu Isaiah had said, Let them take a fig poultice and apply it upon the boil, and he shall recover. Because Hezekiah asked, What is the oat? What is the sign that I shall be able to go up to the bait of Yahweh? What's the sign that I shall be able to go up to the house of Yahweh? So here we have. Hezekiah's portrayal of the pit of corruption, Sheol. And it paints a picture of the profound darkness and despair that pervades the realm of the departed. In contrast, you see the land of the living. The land of the living is the exclusive domain where praises resound, where frequencies can change through prayer and praise, hallel. These verses then, brethren, are what? They are a declaration that redemption, healing, and the vibrant melody of praises and prayers and the reading of the word in gratitude belong uniquely to the realm of the living. You and I. And it's a powerful realm if we align ourselves with the healing of the Creator. Look at verse 21. King Hezekiah's plea for healing leads to a divinely prescribed poultice of figs being applied to his boil. And we know, you know, those of us that like to look at health and the remedies, natural remedies, figs are known for their anti-inflammatory properties. They're rich in nutrients and they've got potential wound healing capabilities. Many of Yahuwah's creations, his plants, there's remedies. Now this poultice, when applied, it would have served as a medicinal agent for sure. And it would have addressed, you know, physical symptoms and brought some comfort and maybe promoted an oval, overall sense of well being and maybe some kind of pain relief at the time. But of course, there's much more going on here than just a topical ointment of a poultice of figs. When we go deeper, we're going to see that the application of the poultice in this narrative hints at a, a much deeper supernatural reality. I believe it's sound and its frequency. It's the supernatural resonance of frequency changes associated with the act of applying the poultice, because the poultice in and of itself becomes a conduit for divine energy. So the frequencies, bear with me here, the frequencies They're generated through the act of healing by aligning with the spiritual frequencies that emanate from the divine realm. So there's this alignment that comes into place and it's like a vibrational harmony where the healing process is not only physical, but it resonates with the frequencies of divine restoration and renewal. So the act of applying the poultice, it actually transforms into a sacred holy kadosh ritual, a moment of divine alignment, acceptance, and surrender in Hezekiah's life. As the physical, now listen to me, as the physical and spiritual realms converge, the healing frequencies—they actually begin to unlock a supernatural response. Now, some of you are going to be like, "Woo, this is too hippy-dippy." No, no, really, just bear with me here. We know that there's vibrational frequencies when you study the furniture of the Mishkan, the Tabernacle. I mean, it's beyond dispute. Look at all the metals. Look at all, the, all of the linens. Look at all of the threads. Look at the wood. Look at everything and their placements and their measurements. I've done a teaching many, many years ago on the showbread and how there were the the golden tubes and, and the layers within the showbread and the table of showbread. It all links to divine frequencies. Think about when the shofar was blown, when they went around Jericho, there was a divine frequency. And we know that these things are very, very real. And in this harmonious resonance that happened, it brings about a transformative healing. Not just of the physical body, but in the broader spectrum of the Hezekiah lifestyle of dedication to service to Yahweh. Hope is alive. That is the resounding message of this chapter. Hope is alive. If we look at five words, if I was just to pull five words. Why five? Because of the five books of Torah. I thought that was a good number. I like that. Kind of set well with me. I'm going to look at five words from the text that I think have a paramount importance and unlock just the essence of what this message is really about. So five words that I believe today are of paramount importance in the text. Number one, of course, would be in verse two tefillah, tefillah, prayer. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to Yahweh. The second word of paramount importance is in verse 17. Chesed, grace. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction for you have cast all my sins behind your back the third word in verse 2 Selah, rock isaiah chapter 38 verse 2 then hezekiah turned his face to the rock the wall and prayed to yahuwah and of course the fourth word of paramount importance Isaiah verse 20, Yahuwah will save me and he will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of Yahuwah. We have, of course, Yeshua salvation. And the fifth and final word of paramount importance, and we'll bring all of these together, is in verse 10, Sheol, the pit, the grave. I said in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. So if we take those five words that I've pulled out of the text of paramount importance, what is the translation? In essence, it's the teaching. Prayer and grace upon the rock, salvation from the pit. Isn't that our life? Isn't that what makes us different than the globalists? Because if death is what evens the playing field, then what is it that gives us the advantage against the secular man? It's this, that we pray. And when we pray, we receive the grace from the rock and salvation comes into our lives and delivers us from the eternal pit. That's the blessed hope. Prayer and grace upon the rock, salvation from the pit. The life of hope. These words weave a conclusion that echoes the essence of Isaiah chapter 38, where prayer, grace, the rock, salvation, and the pit, they are all interwoven and they all intertwine in the divine tapestry of hope, of healing, and the triumph of life over death. This is to encourage you. This is to encourage me. Isaiah 38, it closes with Hezekiah's reflection on his experience. And what an experience. He moves from the brink of Sheol, the pit of corruption, to a declaration that the living, not the dead, they will praise Yahweh. So this shift It symbolizes his triumph of hope over his former despair. I've been down in the depths of despair, but then there's a shift in my life and I triumph. Hope triumphs over my former despair. Life triumphs over death. I am dead to my past man and alive in my new man. It's a testament to the enduring nature of Yahweh's act of redemption in my life, in your life. And it's a redemption and it's a story that we're to tell from generation to generation. We raise up our children in the faith and they raise up their children. It's a story of redemption that's meant to be told from generation to generation. It's powerful, I think. Healing transcends the boundaries here, brethren. It transcends the boundaries of the physical. It transcends the boundaries of the spiritual. There's a definite synergy between the medicinal properties, for sure, of the poultice and the supernatural frequencies associated with coming into divine alignment. It's divine alignment and acceptance, being at one with our Creator. In this convergence, healing becomes a holistic process. It resonates with the divine psalms. It reverberates through song and prayer, and it only comes from the land of the living. There's a definite interplay in this text between the natural and the supernatural. But if I was to sum it up, I would say this. There is a divine tapestry of healing and hope and it's found in isaiah chapter 38. that's all i've got for you it was kind of a short short teaching today i could have gone on for years with just the first 10 verse and wigged out on the calendar but i chose not to do that because i've spent way too many years wigging out over the calendar and now it's your turn to wig out i'd rather focus on divine healing, the divine tapestry of hope. I hope this teaching was a blessing to you. Let me bounce back over here on the chat and see if anybody has anything they'd like to say. Otherwise, I'll catch you live, you are willing, next Shabbat at the same time. Remember, please give us some thumbs up. It really does help subscribe to the ministry channel. And those of you that do support through your tithes, offerings, and donations, thank you so much. You can continue to do so down in the description below by texting TORAH to that number. All of our notes and everything should be up on the website at TorahToTheTribes.com and you can always go over to Tribes.com forward slash connect. We've got a Shabbat group. We've got a women's group, men's group, prayer group. Groups six days a week that you can connect with brethren in your area or all over the world. So blessings to you all. Thank you for your support. And may Yah keep you safe and continue to walk this narrow path of life. We are in the land of the living. No matter what you're going through, Praise Yahuwah, sing songs and psalms of prayer because you and I are in the land of the living. Shabbat Shalom.